Welcome to Brothers and Who, a Married to Who spinoff podcast where me, Jake, and my brother Alex watch new Doctor Who as it comes out. Alex! It hath come out. We have a new Doctor Who episode, Revolution of the Daleks, the 2021 New Year's Day special. Uh, what'd you think of this one? It's great. Everything. I liked it all. It looked cool. There was some cool stuff. A lot of, a lot of character stuff. It was great. Jake, what did you think? Uh, yeah, liked it a lot. I think um, first half was kind of slow, but I want more Doctor Who. So if they're all just standing around, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all in all, I liked it. In our predictions, we were right that it was a direct sequel to the first holiday special. Um, it's kind of what we thought that they found that original reconnaissance Dalek uh, and modeled the new Daleks after it. Yeah. I like kind of the logic of how it all went together. The logic of how the Dalek uh, organisms were created too. I think that all works just fine. Yeah. I think I believe we both thought that the doctor would be in jail a little longer than yeah. <laughs> what we ended up seeing. Yeah. I was, I was expecting the doctor just to kind of be in jail for almost half the show. Which yeah. she wasn't. She was out pretty much right away. But then I also expected um, Jack to be more of an influence because the doctor was in jail. But since the doctor was out, Jack wasn't. I mean, he was there, but it wasn't like him driving the TARDIS team. It was still yeah. the doctor. I think we we expected Jack to be with the fam. Yeah. And then the doctor to show up. Right. Instead of Jack going and getting the doctor just quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> that that whole sequence was great. <laughs> He's just witty on top of it. It was great. It's a little weird. Like I the doctor just kind of being defeated and not really having a plan just to survive. And then and it's been seventeen years for her. Well, she said a couple decades, didn't she? Well, seventeen year into your second decade. Oh, okay. But Jack said 17 when he said, like, how long it took to get to the get cell next crimes. to her. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, because, yeah, he, well, he went on a crime spree. Right. But he so... specifically said it took me 17 years to get into the cell next to yours. Right. Which, if he's in the cell next to hers, why can't he use his little walk-through wall bubble just when they're in there? <laughs> yeah, he just has to be in the same facility, right? Right. Although it is very short time. Well, just bring two. But he also like <laughs> has a vortex manipulator smuggled into his cell, so he could just vortex manipulate into her cell. Maybe you can't manipulate in. Like maybe it's an only in, like an outbound. I liked the um, like the whole premise of them building the Dalek shells. Um, I don't know if they like when they started writing this, but it was very kind of on the nose of <laughs> what society has been going through in the last year. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's very understandable. But yeah, once you start talking like 
we're going to be the age of security. Then my mind is just like, oh, we're all going to be in prison now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't think that was an accident. I think Chibnall likes to write about the real world. Yeah. Um, and in order to do that, he brings back uh, Mr. Big mm-hmm. for his Trump-esque businessman who has fallen out of politics because of his failings in, or they say it was like a chemical spill, some kind of disaster. Yeah. Was that a reference to the arachnid thing? Maybe. But, uh. Because like the cover-up for it all right, could right, have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, there was uh toxic waste under the hotel and that's why it happened. Yeah. But I don't think the toxic waste was his fault. Well, it was his company. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of this, we get him being lauded as the hero. So I would very much expect for him to come back mm-hmm. on the show as the American president. He's a very good actor. I like oh, yeah. him a lot. It's... And it seems like uh, the production team likes him too, or Chris Chibnall likes him because his part was very much expanded. Yeah. He got to do a lot in this it one. It was a lot. Yep. Yeah. First of all, thinking he's just like, part of the team and going around and if not helping at least like experiencing everything and seeing what he did and then flip the switch to bad guy and yep. then right back to so he's national hero what like i'm trying to think of a like a D. is he just chaotic neutral like just wherever the wind's blowing he's gonna go that yeah. way <laughs> well they say like those big ceos are all psychopaths yeah and so it's just a matter of what's most beneficial for me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although he does display emotion. Like when we, in his first story, when his um, bodyguard, uh, Kevin, is killed, he's like genuinely sad. And then in this one, when his like tech guru kid dies, he's like bummed out. Yeah. But no. also, <laughs> right, we made a joke that he wasn't like super upset but he was like oh no man why (laughs) just kind of it was a fun delivery yeah that's it's like it was almost as if he like dropped his favorite water cup and it broke (laughs) oh come come on oh fuck (laughs) like the bag falls out or breaks and your groceries fall to the ground just as you're getting up to the door you're like oh this costs this is gonna cost me 45 seconds (laughs) of my life (laughs) um there were so many deaths. <laughs> the Daleks killed so many people. There was a lot of people that died. I'm <laughs> interested to see uh, how in future episodes, because like it's always been just like, oh, humanity's really forgetful. Like people just forget about it. But like, are they going to remember this and it's going to have lasting repercussions? You know, I I don't know. And then also like how how do you explain how it stopped? Like, because right. they don't know that like this other ship showed up. Yeah, like, like they just disappeared all of a sudden. And, right. Yeah. Well, I guess they they explain that in the Chris Noth character that he claimed responsibility for like negotiating with the aliens. Yeah, but people would have seen the real Daleks fighting with the the right alternate Daleks. But then, like him is the creator of the Daleks, who oh, could thought, be like, yeah. oh, the British government fucked this up, and I saved the day. Gotcha. I brought in like the good ones that we're making. Hmm. And like those ones were fine until the UK government got a hold of them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. And it makes for 
easy comeback of that character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little bummed we didn't get Gwen Cooper, but she did get name dropped. Yeah. And now, jumping to the end, Graham and Ryan have left. Mm-hmm. Jack is remaining on Earth to... Hang out? Hang out. To go see Gwen. Yeah, just... So... Yeah, because she, in Torchwood... Did she have a baby in Torchwood? Yes. I thought she started a family. Miracle Day, she's got a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we've got Yaz and Ryan with their own psychic paper, which it'll take... No, Graham and Ryan. What'd I say? Yes. Oh, Graham and Ryan with their own psychic paper, which it'll take Graham 20 minutes to lose. Uh, (laughs) They're now pulling like a Mickey and Jake, like going around the world to defeat bad guys. Yeah. Uh... I'm smelling a Graham, Ryan, Jack, Gwen spinoff, Aliens of Sheffield. Yeah, that would be really Let's sick. Let's do it. You, you mentioned a really cool name, Torchwood colon Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, Torchwood colon Sheffield. Oh, that'd be so cool. Oh, it would be like if there was like, so when they did Torchwood in Cardiff, they had the excuse of there's this rift in Mm -hmm. cardiff there's nothing like that in sheffield so they could have put something in there like there's a reason there's all this alien activity in sheffield but instead of doing that they said oh we're gonna go to sweden to stop this thing and then there's this other thing in korea uh so maybe we get like this globe trotting quattro team are they gonna Ooh, are they gonna re re up unit like be the global protectorate well Chris Chibnall, the current showrunner of Doctor Who, was the de facto showrunner of Torchwood. Listen to the uh, Neither the Time Nor the Space podcast, because we have gifted them the entire series of Torchwood <laughs> in order to guilt them into watching it so we don't have to. Um, but we've seen it before. They haven't. I, mean, I really doubt they'll do any kind of spinoff because of the failure of class and mm. just how badly it rated. How bad the ratings were, I should say. Like, BBC America, it had, like, 200,000 watchers. Like, it was real bad. Hmm. But to set it all up that much, like, there's... I don't see a reason for it. They could just say, like, hey, I want to live my fucking life. I'm a grown-up now. Ryan, like, we said it the whole time, Ryan's journey ended after the first season. He, He went from baby boy to grown up man. And Graham's story was, you know, strengthening his relationship with Ryan and becoming like a proper family member in his eyes. And maybe you could say, you know, coming to terms with Grace's death or coming to terms with his cancer, things that were never really touched upon at all. Yeah. Which could have been mentioned. Gro- yeah. Well, it could have been something to drive his character, some kind of growth other than him wanting to kill tim shaw and then not doing it and being like i'm all better now <laughs> so like their their stories ended a while ago so there there's i don't really see a reason why you would set all this up without like a hope of being able to spin it off mm-hmm. that being said um bradley walsh the actor who plays graham is the busiest man in the world he's on like 100 tv shows so i don't really see him being a regular on a doctor who spinoff and then Tosin Cole, Ryan, he has at least been cast in some big American show that I can't remember the name of, but he's not like 
number one on the call sheet. He's like down there a bit. Yeah. Anyway, it's all just a long prattling on to be but like. Then, but then you got Gwen and Jack, which, you know, with yeah. those three, with Graham coming in and out, I, that would be a great show. Yeah. And John Barrowman has never stopped saying, I'll I do want, another season yeah. of Torchwood right now. Yeah. He's he's in. <laughs> now, it is time for my obligatory plea to the powers that be. Get a shift on. If you're going to bring Captain Jack back, please let John Barrowman keep his silver hair. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks so good. The wig or dye job that they're doing for the show looks so bad. And it makes him look older because it doesn't match his body or his face. Yeah. Although I think it was a little better in this one than it was in the last one. His hair. Yeah, I didn't I didn't dislike it as much this time around. And maybe that's because it was really dark in every room that he Could was be. in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that was a request by Barrowman. Let's bring these lights down a bit. That we didn't have HD back when I was shooting. Well, and it was like every shot he had was like here, like mid chest <laughs> yeah. up. You, like you didn't get like a full wide angle shot of him doing things. Yeah. I like, like that the doctor had a Captain Jack change of clothes in the TARDIS. And like yeah. in the main console room, yeah. <laughs> she just like opens up a little cubby. He's like, here you go. Here you go. I wonder how much of that is just the TARDIS like generating it. Because we've seen <laughs> that before. Yeah. Like <laughs> going for a drawer, just make it happen. It would be, I would have preferred, I think it would have been nice to like go into the like wardrobe and for her to just like slide a couple things over and be like, oh, here you go. And just full Captain Jack costume. Yeah. The shot of Grace at the end made me laugh out loud. Totally unnecessary. Yeah, that was weird. Like, I, I said, what the fuck is this? And, <laughs> and then it was Grace. I was like, oh, okay. Happy for the actor. Hope she got paid. And, you know, she didn't say a line, so she got paid scale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's fun. Hopefully she she can ride that character to some conventions. The whole departure of Ryan and Graham felt a little weird for me. Like, Ryan, first of all, just kind of being a downer. Just a mopey The guy. whole episode. Just because he knew he wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I get Yaz being a downer because she's pissed. Yeah. And she's like, you fucking left us. And then you screwed up when you were coming back. And, you know, the last 10, year, 10 months of my life have been a fucking disaster because of mm-hmm. you. Great. Got it. Ryan just doesn't want to do this anymore. Great. There's lots of things I don't want to do, and I'm happy to not do them. <laughs> I'm not like uh, I'm just grumpy about it. Yeah, but maybe maybe like a part of him still does obviously want to be with them and go on the trips. Yeah, but I, I get making a hard decision and yeah. not really being happy that you can't have it both ways. But he's also had a lot of time to think about it, and he does want to still save the world and do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So during the story when they're doing that, uh, there maybe should be a few less glances and, you know, he should be having or be more in it than he yeah. seems to be. Yeah. I'm wondering if part of it is also him not fully um, forgiving the doctor for the 10 months. I don't think he gives a shit. Well, I mean, before because their it was... conversation, he was mad. But then they had their conversation in the TARDIS, and then they, they were a little I, bit better. I don't think he's mad in the same way that Yaz is mad. No, no, I wouldn't think that. Because he might even be mad that she did come back. Like, in the beginning, him and Graham are like, hey, you know what? We always knew she might die. 
she probably did. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like, we got to fucking move on with our lives. And he has. Mm-hmm. And in, he even kind of says that these 10 months have been like really good for him. I really like the the build on, um, I forget what episode it was, but where his friend was kind of spiraling. Yeah. And, um, and like him now saying in this one that like his mates need him, like the this earth needs him. I, I thought that was really cool. That's the one with the finger in the ear. Like, can you hear me or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's not that, but something like that. Yeah. Graham's response totally makes sense for his character. Like, he... Like, he was in for, for his grandson. Yeah, he was down to, like, yeah. keep going. But if his grandson's going to start living his life, Graham doesn't want to miss that. Like, that's right. what life is about, is, you know, experiencing that part of life all over again through your grandchildren is what that part of life is about. And so, and now that we know he's not just like going to watch Graham or going to watch Ryan go to college or whatever, he's going to go with him and Mm -hmm. save the world. Yeah. I I am kind of like curious. (laughs) I do, I do hate when shows do that where it's like, you know, at the end of some story, some, uh, sheltered introvert is like oh i'm gonna travel the world like donna said it and uh craig's wife said it i can't remember her name sophie uh in the two episodes they were in these things cost money (laughs) like you can't just travel the world as a temp and you can't go save the world as like a uh, apprentice mechanic or whatever you need you need bankroll to yeah do stuff not but to mention maybe their psychic will just let them go so that <laughs> but like you know give us so yeah the psychic like yeah they can get an airplane ticket with it maybe or yeah you know maybe you just scan that instead of an actual ticket and oh, it'll go green yeah. um, cool. never mind that someone with that same ticket will eventually show up and you're ruining their day <laughs> But, like, give me, like, Matt Smith's doctor got Karen Gillan a house mm-hmm. and a car yeah. for Amy and Rory. So, like, give give me half a second of just that. Like, oh, you guys are going to go save the world. Here's unlimited resources. Or here's a number for my contact in the government. They'll hook you up with Old what you shield need. Con- or not shield. Old <laughs> shield. unit contact. These are, I meant to say this at the beginning of the podcast, but we literally just watched this story. These are our very initial reactions. Super hot takes. Right. <laughs> we'll get more in depth in it in or this summer when the marrieds watch it, because we're getting there. And uh, you know, we'll have more to say about them. But this is just kind of our initial reactions. Uh I think it looked great. I think the Daleks were super scary. Yeah. These two Chris Chibnall Dalek stories. They are have done more for the Daleks than anything Moffat did. I think Moffat had a really good Davros story, but that was really just a Davros story. The Daleks were pretty ineffectual. Uh, so yeah, I think these two are the best since Dalek. I think it was funny with the design of these ones. You know, anytime you change the design of the Dalek, they get a lot of flack from the people that loved Doctor Who and the Dalek. <laughs> design and so now in this story he made a new design but then also destroyed them all so he doesn't really have to like right. live up to it like you have to say like oh there's the ipad ipod ones still right. in the corner and i think we knew that was going to happen <laughs> yeah um i mean you add on to you know people hating new dalek designs add the nmds to that and then 
you know, when the last uh, Dalek story was two years ago, they're like, this design is shit. This is so dumb. Chris Chibnall's the worst. He should burn in hell. And reasonable people were like, this is clearly a one-off design. Like, it built itself in a garage in someone's farm. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be. And then the trailer comes out for this. It's like, see? They're fucking, they did it again. <laughs> That's what the Daleks look like now. It's like, come on. This is clearly a sequel. These Daleks are based off of that Dalek. Like, yeah. And then you get the OG RTD Daleks coming and wiping them all out. They do look slick, though. They're looking fresh. I like them. Yeah. I, I really liked the uh, how the cloning of the Dalek came to be. Like, it was just this smart dude who found yeah. cells that was just like, I bet I could make whatever this was alive again. And and then when you see it, you're like, oh, shit. And it was just one of those really cool moments. And I like the design of, uh, like, that lab and then also, like, the big cloning lab. Uh, it was just really cool. Really good CG in that as well, I thought. Yeah, it's so weird that, like, they designed this cloning lab for the Daleks, and it's vertical. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it was a... It's like a industrial farm where it's like in the future and Jack being from the future is like, oh, yeah, this is like the future of like uh, food engineering Yeah, is these vertical farms. It's like, what is the point of all of it? Like, why? <laughs> like, I understand all that makes sense. And it's fun to have like Yaz and uh, Jack having a little walk and talk. But like. It has nothing to do with the story. There's no reason for the dogs to be made in a vertical lab. It's just kind of like, oh, we really need this to be 70 minutes. And that's kind of what I meant at the beginning, that mm. there is a lot of like, this didn't need to happen. Yeah. I did like, speaking of the Yaz and Jack talks, I did like the the character growth chats. Like we had the Yaz and Jack one, we had the Ryan and Doctor one, and then of course at the end, when everyone was saying goodbye to everybody. Yeah. Um, I thought there was really good character growth. Um, in I like this it one. too. Um, you know the Ryan, the Ryan and Doctor chat was really good. If you're a child, and that's what the show should do, it yeah. should explain to kids that like, you know, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to have certain kinds of feelings. It's okay to be angry, but you know, like, still go. And do it, and whatever the outcome is, like, it'll be better. Great. Mm -hmm. You know, a general audience doesn't need to be told that. And I like having a Ryan and Doctor scene because we never have that. Mm -hmm. We never really have a Doctor one-on-one scene with anybody. Yeah. But because we never have it before, it feels tacked on. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't think so. I liked the... I was going to say it felt a little heavier, like it had more impact almost. Uh, I like the Yaz and Doctor scene better. The Ryan and Doctor scene, I was just bored. Hmm. The whole time I was thinking like, man, Ryan coming in clutch. This is great. And because <laughs> we never really see the Doctor really questioning herself either. I mean, she's also right. in kind of this uh, chaos, well, not chaos mode, but um, not a freak out mode. I don't know what I'm trying to think of what word, but. Like, she's kind of going through something while all this Dalek stuff is happening. And it's just kind of crazy. And I want to be a little more clear about what I mean. So they're doing this thing with the character of Ryan, where whatever they were doing in the first season 
they did they wanted to change. Mm-hmm. So in in the first season, he's the the idiot. Yeah, he's the Mickey. <laughs> he's yeah, he's the goofball who's putting his foot in a bucket and just everything he says is kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. And then in the second season, they're like, "Well, Ryan's not dumb anymore. Traveling with the Doctor made him he, smart he's got a little and smarter. cool. Yeah, got and, some swag. You know, maybe it was the intention that like in the first season, his dyspraxia is making him seem bumbling." And then it just gets better as he gains confidence, which isn't how dyspraxia works, but that's cool. Uh, but it doesn't come across that way. It comes across as he was the comic relief guy. And then in season two, Graham was. Mm-hmm. They just kind of swapped roles where even Ryan kind of becomes the like the wise sage out of the two of them, where Graham was kind of doing that in the first season. Uh, and then in these last couple of episodes you know, the two-part finale and then into this, Ryan has kind of become, like, this voice of reason for the Doctor, who, like, she was doubting herself in that two-parter and saying, like, you know, we're not a team. You guys don't know me. And Ryan was saying, I think Ryan's the one who said, it doesn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter who you're going to be. We know you right now, and that's what's important. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that's kind of carried on in this. So I get that it is a part of his character that they have now chosen his character to be. Yeah. But it's not how his character was when they started. They just decided to change it, which is fine. But like, I didn't, I didn't get enough in the interim between season one and two, like for that change to seem natural other than they just like, you know what? Tosin Cole's like the, the good looking young dude. We should make him cool yeah. <laughs> because he is cool. So you're saying it wasn't more of a, it wasn't more of like an organic character change. It was more of a writing right. decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that, and that's that's just how I feel about it. It doesn't mean yeah. it's true. It's just that's how it seemed to me. I mean, Yaz was always cool. Her character hasn't really changed much. She she was the one who from the jump was ready for this. Mm-hmm. And didn't need to change. You know, we say, we kind of say that about Martha versus Rose. Whereas, like, Rose was a 19-year-old kind of vapid idiot. Mm -hmm. And by the time her time is over... Grew into a strong... Right. Yeah. And then when you see her come back uh, at the end of series four, she's badass warrior chick, you know, Rose Tyler, savior of Earth. So we we have that, and yeah, she's a fully developed character who had some trouble in her past, but by the time we start to meet her, that seems to be gone. And in this, she's emotionally distraught, but it's totally in line with what we know about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Graham, what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Graham, again, his story is tied into Ryan. So yeah, it just seems like Ryan's character change was... You know, just because they, I mean, it came from a place that wasn't genuine. Hmm. It was just something they wanted to do because, like I said, Tosin Cole is cool. So why not make Ryan cool? He's the one that, like, little boys are going to want to be. And, you know, make Graham the bumbling old goofball. Mm -hmm. Because Bradley Walsh is good at being the bumbling old goofball. Yeah. But he still has, uh, even Graham still has some, like, really good sage-like lines. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But he's always going to. And we we joked about it when watching the story. 
when Ryan's going to leave the TARDIS, Yaz is like, I totally get it, dude. Right on, buddy. You go have a good life. Yeah. And then Graham's going to leave, and she just starts weeping. Yeah. <laughs> she starts crying. <laughs> and then when they do, like, that shot of all four of them, like, huddling together, they do a close-up on Graham and Yaz holding hands behind the doctor's back, like, because they're all linking hands. Mm-hmm. But they focus on those two hands and then pan back, and they all ready break and walk away. So <laughs> there is clearly a very loving relationship between Graham and Yaz that even the characters or the actors playing the characters are aware of and are yeah. focusing on it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. The granddaughter he always wanted and never had. Yeah. And he had, yeah. And Graham, I don't, I don't envy him cause he had to make a hard decision on the spot. Like he wasn't thinking about it. Like he was just, yeah, we're going to, ride up and head yeah. out and then Ryan pieces out and, and then he has to decide like, okay, well, <laughs> what do I do now? And like, I think it was an easy decision for him. And like I said, before, but a hard one. Well, yeah, it, and the decision totally makes sense. Like that's yeah. what that character would do in that moment. You have an MVP. I'm going to give it to. Yes. I think all of her scenes were really good. She was playing like the beginning of the episode, you know, very, very emotional and, um, you know, trying to find the doctor. I thought that was really cool um, for the, for the whole 10 months. Man, deep guilt. Yeah. I probably agree with you. John Berman's great to have, but easily could have not been in this. Yeah. Yeah. Jody is great. She's always great. Yeah. I think man, deep guilt just did a really good job. And had more more than because she's obviously very good at crying we see her cry a lot yeah but it's all it's often like silent crying like we don't we don't see her get a lot of speeches and at least she got some here like and some stuff that wasn't just crying i mean she did plenty of crying Mm -hmm. but you know getting mad and pushing the doctor that was pretty cool yeah that that was i I was kind of surprised by it but then it totally made sense. Everything else you want to chat about? Well, what what do we think now with how the TARDIS is? What's next season about? It's it's just the Doctor and Yaz. What uh, what do, shenanigans? Do you think? Let me turn this on you. Do you think next season, of which we're only going to get eight episodes? I think it's eight. That's a might short be six. One. Nice. <clears throat> well, because of COVID. Oh, so it wasn't planned to be short? No. So because of COVID, it takes longer to shoot an episode than it normally would have. So they're taking the same amount of time that they would have used to make 11 episodes, and they're making eight. So that 11 episodes would have been a 10-episode season and a holiday special. So I don't know if this eight is going to be a seven-episode season and a holiday special. Or what I think is more likely is that they will... Just have the last episode of an eight-episode season either be on Christmas or New Year's Day. I think okay. they'll start in November. So that just kind of makes sense with the timeline. Chris Chibnall's very adamant that he wants a season to air in 2021. And he said, as soon as we're done, you're going to see it. <laughs> like, we're going to push this thing out. Nice. So when you take away 11 episodes, or when you go down from 11 episodes to eight, then you think, okay, so some of those standalone stories 
that might not have had anything to do with a greater plot, they're out. You know, yeah. maybe 2022 person who wrote a really good episode we're not going to get to see. So it's going to be a lot a lot more arc episodes and a lot maybe, less Maybe it'll be no arc. It'll be eight completely oh, random episodes. That would actually be kind of refreshing. Maybe they had 11 in the can and they were like, well, what are the three we can do without? <laughs> or what are the three that are most expensive? Or what are the three that are going to be the hardest to shoot yeah. with COVID restrictions? You know, maybe it's going to be a lot of TARDIS scenes <laughs> because... They're easy to shoot. They can stand really far apart from each other. The camera guy can be way back there because the you TARDIS, can't get a camera yeah. over by the console. The TARDIS cause... isn't great. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'd be able to do that. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, we hate the new TARDIS. Not because of how it looks, but because of how hard it is to shoot in and where you can put a camera in there. Yeah. And that's like we almost every shot of two people talking, is... they go over to that steps yep. thing or like set part of the set that they added in season two yeah because they're like oh shit we built this dope console and that's it it's surrounded by a warehouse of emptiness yeah where does everybody go oh and we built these fucking columns for no reason so we can't put a camera in here yeah yeah it's it's a yeah so let me ask you this will they go the entire next season without another companion joining the team hey guys slightly in the future jake here uh, Alex and I are about to go on a discussion about whether or not a new companion will be announced anytime soon or if there's going to be a new companion in the next season. We did not stay on long enough to see the John Bishop announcement. Uh, so <laughs> the next couple of minutes are just some fun because everything we say is wrong. Enjoy. Would you count, like, say on the last episode of this season they would bring someone on like does that count as the season? like i would say they would go most of the run but maybe at the end of the like maybe the last episode maybe the last two episodes they would bring someone on okay let me reword that then will we get to the beginning of the next season whether that be in august or november or somewhere in between i think it's gonna be in november Will we get to the beginning of the next season airing without an announcement of who the next companion is? Hmm. I think so. I'm betting that this summer around Comic-Con time, we'll have an announcement of a new companion. Really? Say hmm. They've kind of skimped out on Comic-Con the last few years. It's really dumb to do that. <laughs> I don't know why. Chris Chibnall is just, like, super secretive and doesn't want to... I mean, they showed a trailer on Doctor Who Day this year, right? And there's no reason they couldn't have shown half that trailer at Comic-Con. Even though yeah. there wasn't really a Comic-Con this year, it's all digital. But, like, it's also all digital. They could have easily done Easy. a 30-minute panel. Yeah. I mean, they did one... Or Jody and, the, and Matt and David did one for HBO Max. Like, how fucking hard is it? It's not hard. You just need a webcam and a mic. And they did a bunch of other virtual Zoom call stuff, but go to Comic-Con, guys. Trying to sell your show here. You know, get them NMDs to eat their fucking words, and let's make this <laughs> thing popular again. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Will next season be... So these these are very, like, we like to call these recklessly early predictions. So you're saying no new companion. I'm saying new companion. 
to join the Doctor and Yaz. I'm not saying replace Yaz. I'm saying because it's Chris Chibnall's show. Chris Chibnall, his favorite or his doctor from when he was a kid is Peter Davison. Peter Davison always had big TARDIS teams. Mm. Chris Chibnall loves big TARDIS teams. Look at the episodes he wrote, like Dinosaur in a Spaceship. Amy and Rory weren't enough. He had to go get Nefertiti and that hunter dude. Right. So that he could have... A, oh, and Rory's dad. Like He had a five-person yeah. TARDIS team. So I, I think we won't get another uh, announcement of another companion, but I do think there will be episodes where... Uh, there's going to be local knowledge. Like they're just going to pick up people for for an episode, oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you know, peace out. Yeah, they always do that when there's one companion. Yeah. Okay. Next reckless prediction. <laughs> Will is ne- this a new segment? Yep. <laughs> well, it's just when we get one episode in ten months, and yeah. we won't have another one for another ten months. Right. Will next season be Jodie Whittaker's last season? Hmm. That one's a little harder. Capaldi did three, Matt Smith did three, David Tennant did three, and a little bit. I think if it was a normal production year, like no COVID, yes. But I think after this one, she's going to want to do one more. Like they won't be able, because of the reduction in stories, be able to tell the story they want to tell? Well, It'll take longer? Well, I guess if you're thinking about it in the writing aspect, I was just thinking of the actress, like wanting to just do it again. Right. She um, was recently asked how long she intends on playing the doctor, and she said in response, I told my agent we're not taking any calls. Like, I don't want any scripts coming across. Like, I'm the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and so who knows what that means? I think I think if, if this year was a normal year, this one would be her last. But since it's shortened and a little odd... I think she'll want like another regular, quote unquote, regular year before she's done. That that's my prediction. That's my wild early prediction or whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't think that would be a reason. Uh, given that they're doing eight episodes, whatever, and and it's going to take the same amount of time to shoot. Yeah, whatever it is they're trying to tell, they'll be able to do that. Do you think it'll be Chris Chibnall's last? series it was wild widely speculated uh mostly by me that chris chibnall original originally signed a contract for five years and three seasons so that amount of time will have ended when this next series is over he will have done three series in five years his commitment to a contract that I have made up that may not exist <laughs> will have been fulfilled. I don't know. I I want to say since he's trying to get the season out in 2021, does that mean that he wants to get it out and start writing the next season? Like, does he feel like he's running out of time to tell the story that he wants to tell? I don't know. It is interesting because he's never seemed in a hurry to make the show before. Like, even when he was um, hired, he was still doing the third series of Broadchurch. And he said, like, we're going to finish Broadchurch. We're going to take 18 months off Mm -hmm. because I just finished, like, this crazy, hectic work schedule. 
and you know we have to like hire a production team hire a new doctor yeah. <laughs> like we have things hire writers and directors and things to talk about over the next year and a half yeah and then at the end of that year and a half then it was like okay now time to start working on the show mm-hmm. so if he's in a hurry to get the show out it might be because he has other things to do <laughs> well that could be too yeah that could be the other i'd like to see him all keep going i think COVID has really kind of fucked things up. I'd like to see them with the team of Jody and Chibnall. I'd like to see them on a more, uh, or on a less sporadic schedule. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's very hard to maintain an audience in any show when you never know when it's going to be on. Like, why can't you have 10 episodes a year every year and have it start at the same time every year and end at the same time every year? It's not that fucking hard. But that's the BBC. That's not Chibnall. They just put it where they want it, when they want it. Like, I get like, oh, it used to be on the spring. Now we want to change in the fall. So that's going to push us six months. Okay, you did that one time. But like, yeah, give us why do we have a show that aired in January of 2020? And then the next season is going to air in November of 2021. It's weird. It is weird. It is weird. Yeah. And that's a good point. If he is trying to rush it out, maybe he's got other calls he's trying to pick up. But like what? Like this job is his dream. Like he's always wanted to write for Doctor Who, run Doctor Who. So then maybe it's more like my thing. He's he's trying to get it out so he can continue the story. But you don't need to rush something to keep going. Contract is good. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, he still Uh, has the good favors of whoever. It it might be a BBC thing. Maybe they, maybe he's been yelling at them saying like hey this show needs to be more regular maybe he they are doing that maybe that's the whole point of this yeah maybe um i don't think jody would do it without him it's possible he would do it without her but i do think the two of them will share his full time as a showrunner yeah that's for that's for no reason that's just what i think um if they go beyond three year, three seasons, go to like five seasons, I think that'd be awesome. I, I'm here for it. And it'd be great. Really shut up those NMDs. Just let them go <laughs> right to hell. But it'd be cool to see him work with another doctor. Be cool to see her work with another showrunner. Be cool to have a multi-doctor story. I mean, we also have a 60th anniversary coming up, which you don't want to change showrunners and doctors and then have a 60th anniversary right away. Although, as our friends over at Neither Time Nor Space mentioned when I asked them this question on their podcast, you don't need to have a 60th anniversary special. It Like, it's 60 years. You just had one of the 50th? Yeah, the 50th was great. Just, like, re- just rerun that one on the 60th. <laughs> so, you know, like, maybe they'll do a little something, but you don't have to have, like, this big special that goes into right. movie theaters and shit like that. Yeah. But if they don't... I'm talking to you, Chris Chibnall. I want you to fucking listen to me. <laughs> if they don't get Carol Ann Ford into this goddamn TV show <laughs> before the good Lord takes her away from us, I will burn this fucker to the ground. Yeah. Get her in the show. Give her a regeneration. Let someone else play Susan or never have Susan on the show again. I don't fucking care. But get Carol Ann Ford on the show. Boom. You ruined her career, BBC, in 1964. <laughs> she never acted again. You can give us this. You heard it, uh, constant special listener, Chris Chimnall. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, fucker won't leave us alone. Um, <laughs> we've gone way too long. This was supposed to be just our initial quick thoughts, and I just can't stop rambling because it's COVID, it's, it's and good. I don't see other people, well, so it's nice to be too. able to talk. <laughs> yeah. And it was good. I enjoyed it very much. Um, I think top three stories for Chibbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, this, the first Dalek one, and Spyfall Part 1, probably my three favorite stories. Yeah, I'm kind of between episodes. Uh, like the first New Year's one too, because that one was really good as well. Yeah, I that's thought. what I said. The first Dalek one. Oh, that was a wait. I thought that was Tim Shaw. Yeah, whatever. I'm just nope. bad at remembering. <laughs> <laughs> you like Battle of Razkar Afkalus? Uh, I it's been a while, man. I gotta while. rewatch it. <laughs> well, we'll be watching it for Married in thirteen weeks. Let's get it. I'm in. I mean, we got a couple banks, so people won't listen to it for like 16 weeks. Yeah. Or never, because no one listens to this. <laughs> it's just something Probably we do most true. as an excuse to get together <laughs> once a week and have a beer. Uh, give us that music. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Brothers and Who. Uh, please listen to Married to Who, our regular podcast, where the Marrieds and I are just about to wrap up Peter Capaldi's time as the doctor, Stephen Moffat's time as the showrunner, and head into the brave new world that is Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall. Again, thank you so much for listening. I'm half myself, Jake, and my brother, Alex. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for whenever the fuck this show comes back and whatever that episode's going to be called. Beep.